The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. So the story of Jonah is the story of a man who ran from God, and that makes his story my story, right? And that makes his story your story. Um, Because at some point in all of our lives, we uh, run from God and we resist God, and we run from God either overtly or covertly. And by running from God, I just simply mean that we we resist his will, right? We resist his moral will, we resist his ethical will, Uh, maybe we resist his specific will to either do something or perhaps not do something in our lives. And and this can happen in our relationships. This can happen in our finances. I mean, there's all kinds of different ways um, and areas of life where this takes place. And for some of us, in fact, maybe for some of you that are here today, uh, maybe you're at a season of your life right now or a period in your life right now where you would actually just kind of say, honestly, okay, I'm just kind of resisting God entirely. And and maybe that's because you actually fall into a, a category that so many Americans fall into, Um, which is to say you grew up in church or at least somewhat in church, and so you kind of know the stories, right? You know know the stories. Um, You know the do's. You know the don'ts. Uh, You've heard the Ten Commandments. You're kind of familiar with those. And it's not that you disagree um, with all of that stuff, right? You're just just not kind of, you know, buying in to all of it right now. And and the interesting thing is actually this. Um, You actually want the people who are in your life, right, and who are around your life, you want them to live their life the way the Bible says to live their life because you want them to be honest, right? You want them to be fair. You want them to be just, right? You, you, You want them to do all of these things. Um, but, but you would say that, you know, for, for you right now, um, you're just kind of doing your own thing. And so in a very real sense, you're kind of holding God at arm's length. And so if that's you, then that means you're actually resisting, you're kind of running from God. You haven't packed a suitcase necessarily, right? But, but God is definitely in the rearview mirror of your life. Or maybe for you, it's a little bit more covert, than all of this, right? Maybe for you, this is much more of a, a mental thing um, because you're not even sure that there is a, a personal God, right? But at the very same time, um, you, you, you know that he has, a, a, that you have a conscience, right? There's this thing inside of you um, and, and deep down inside, you, you kind of know, um, if you're honest, that maybe you're not living up even to your own standards, right? You're, you're not even living up necessarily to your own values um, and, and you're not sure there's a God who has a plan and all, all that, But you have a basic sense of right and wrong, and you're pretty sure um, that that probably came from somewhere, probably came from God. But if you're honest with yourself, right, you're not even consistent with your own beliefs. You're not even consistent in in, in your own values. And so, again, there's a little bit of tension inside of you because you're kind of running. You're holding God at arm's length. And maybe you're doing that thing in your life that so many of us do, where in order to try to turn down the volume of our conscience a little bit, we just choose to no longer believe certain things. Because we know that if we actually change what it is that we believe enough, that eventually our conscience is going to quiet down. So maybe you have played, or maybe you're in the midst of of playing that game a little bit. But when you lie in bed at night and you kind of stare up at your ceiling, and when it's just you, right, when you're alone with yourself and it's just you and you, if you're honest, you know that things in you are not right, and if there is a God out there, that things are not right between you and him. And, and see, this is the interesting thing. You, you know that someday, right, this is going to have to change. You know that someday there's actually going to be a day of reckoning, 
right? And I don't mean when you die. I mean literally in this life. Because you look at your life, you look at the pattern of your life, the path that you're on right now, and you know things just can't continue this way. I can't keep going this way. Eventually something is going to snap. Eventually something's going to have to give. Something is going to break. And, and so you know that day is out there somewhere. Eventually you're going to have to kind of throw your arms up and surrender and just be done. But you don't want to talk about that. You don't want to hear about that. You certainly don't want to hear about that from me, but you kind of know that day is out there somewhere. In fact, some of you have actually planned that day because some of you, your plan is just kind of to keep running, you know, until you get married. And then once you get married, then you'll settle down. You'll do the whole church thing just like your parents did or your grandparents did. And so you kind of have that day um, kind of planned out far off sometime in the future. Maybe for others of you, it's not quite that far off. Maybe for some of you, if you're just honest, um, right, it's just, um, it's a little bit more short term. Than that, because uh, because you're just going to run until after spring break is over, right? Because you've got spring break plans this coming week or this next week, um, and, and you you know you haven't brought your spring break plans before the Lord and said, "Okay, Lord, would you please bless?" Because you're just like, "I'm not going to do that," right? I mean, I'm going to go on spring break, and so you're just going to keep running for a little while because you're just going to do what you want to do. Or maybe for others of you, maybe you're sitting here and the truth is, you know, you know you've got something going on at work. You've got a deal perhaps you've been working on or a, 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 an opportunity, as you might call it, that you've been working on. And if you're honest, some of that's a little gray. Maybe you've even said to your spouse and they're like, I'm not sure, right? Something just doesn't seem right. It seems a little bit too good. And you're like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to pray about it, don't want to think about it, just going to do it this one time, right? This is one time, and then we'll be done, it'll be over, I don't have to think about this anymore. And so some of us, some of you maybe, what you've done, even though you don't realize this, you kind of scheduled your surrender, right, to God, actually based on circumstances of your life. Because you know in your heart, you know in your heart, that you're kind of keeping God at arm's length. And see, the tension that you actually feel over all this is because, is because you are in the process of discovering what it is that we saw Jonah discovering last week, which is simply this, that you can actually run, right? You can run from God, but you cannot outrun God. That's what Jonah discovered last week. That's where we left off last week as Jonah was inside the belly of the whale, right? So just a, a real quick review. Um, we'll put the map up here on the screen from, from last week. Um, this is kind of Jonah's situation. Jonah lives over here in Israel, and God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, which is in Assyria, and I want you to tell these people in Nineveh that I'm going to judge them because of their violence, um, but first, God says, I'm going to give them a warning first. And Jonah, I want you to be the one to give them the warning. And so Jonah, um, instead of going to Nineveh, he decides to go down to Joppa, and he catches a boat all the way over here to Tarshish, which would be in Spain today, which at this point in history was literally as far as he could go in the exact opposite direction from where it is that God was actually telling him to do. And so God, you know, Jonah basically said to God, no, I'm not going to do that. And, and, and Jonah is very much like us, right? He's, there's not this big theological complicated argument with God. It's just like, God, I hear what you're saying, but no. Right? And you've done that before, if you're honest. I've done that before, right? Heard the sermon. It's probably true. Not going to do it. Read the Bible, right? I read the Bible. I can see it. it's right there. I'm not going to do it. My parents told me to, to do this. They gave you some advice. It's probably good advice, right? It came from your parents, but no, I'm just not going to do it. And so Jonah, he decides to run in the exact opposite direction, 
And as a result of his running, Jonah kind of bumped into last week this really big idea um, that we're going to talk a little bit more about this week. Um, because what Jonah discovered, and perhaps what you are in the process of discovering today, what so many of us have discovered over the course of our lives, is that when we run, right, when you and I, when we run, that God, he actually comes after us. When you and I run, God comes after us. And the truth is, there's a little bit of tension there if you're honest. Because we don't really necessarily like this idea. Because, see, the truth is, um, we want God to be all grace. Right? We want God's response to us to be whatever makes you happy. Just do whatever makes you happy. Whatever makes you happy, that's fine with me. We want God's response to us to be all grace. But see, the problem is, is that God isn't all grace. God is actually all love. And because he is all love, right, because he is all love, he is generous in his grace. But he isn't all grace. That God actually loves us enough to get involved. He actually loves us enough to sometimes chase us down and stop us from going down certain paths that he does not want us to go down. And so as Jonah discovered last week, as many of us discover, when God actually comes after us, right? that's not to pay us back. That's to actually win us back and to bring us back. And it's to bring us back because he actually loves us. In fact, if you are facing some chaos in your life right now, and if you're honest with yourself and you would say, okay, I have to admit that at least some of the chaos that I'm facing is a result of my own design, but I don't really feel like this is fair because the truth is what I did was kind of this bad, right? But what I'm facing is kind of like this bad, right? It could be. It could very well be that perhaps God is doing in your life the very same thing that God did in Jonah's life, which is to bring you, to try to bring you back. He sent a storm into your life, not to pay you back, right? Because when Jesus died on the cross for your sin, he took the complete penalty for your sin. So this is not about payback. This is about win back. This is about bring back. This is actually to bring you to the very point where we left Jonah last week at the very beginning of Jonah chapter 2. Take out your Bibles, open them up to Jonah chapter 2. It's on page 1,437 in the Bibles in front of you. Now, Jonah at this point is in the fish. He's been in the fish for three days and, and three nights. And what happens is when Jonah gets out of the fish, what he does is he journals for us his experience, right? He journals for us about what his time was like while he was inside that whale. And, and what he gives to us is not a narrative description, meaning You know, he doesn't tell us what it looked like. He doesn't tell us what it smelled like, which, if we're honest, is probably a good thing, right? Instead, what he gives to us is is more of a poem. Um, It's a psalm, actually. We don't think about it that way, but it is a psalm. And and what it is, is it's it's it's, it's a dialogue between him and God. It's a reflection on his conversation with God as he is in the belly of the whale. And so, essentially, what we're reading... Uh, are the words of Jonah's conversation, his prayer with God. And he tells us this in chapter 2, verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And see, isn't it true that for some of you, for some of you, it was in a moment of distress, perhaps a moment of extreme distress, 
that you actually prayed to the Lord for the very first time in a long time, maybe the first time in your entire life. Maybe for you, you were actually in the backseat of a police car. Maybe for you, you're on your way home to tell your parents something that, that you had been trying to avoid telling them for a very, very, very long time. Maybe you're on your way to tell your wife something that you were afraid she had already discovered or on your way home to tell your husband something that you thought he had already figured out. And so in your distress, right, in your distress, and don't miss this, right, this is huge. Because see, it's in our distress, no matter what that you believed about God before, right, no matter how it is that you had convinced yourself, what you convinced yourself about God before that moment of your distress, regardless of how you justified your sin, regardless of how you justified your disobedience, right? In your distress, you called to the Lord. Right? Isn't that amazing when you stop and think about it, especially if you consider, if you can put yourself back in that moment, how smart you thought you were? How slick you thought you were? How well you thought you had covered it all up? Right? How, how careful you thought you had been. But suddenly in that moment when you were broken, right? suddenly in that moment when you were busted, when you were discovered, when you were found out, and you had no place else left to run, suddenly it was in that moment that you called. You cried out. In my distress, I called to the Lord. In your distress, you called to the Lord. See, the truth is, the truth is, there is something that actually happens, right? When we actually come to the end of ourselves, there's something that brokenness it does to us, doesn't it? It changes us. Broken, brokenness actually does something in our hearts and in our lives, it overpowers our intellect. Right? It overpowers our theology, it overpowers our excuses, it overpowers our resistance. And in our distress, we call to the Lord. Jonah tells us, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Right? From the depths of the grave, Jonah writes in verse 2. From the depths of the grave, right? He's on the verge of dying. He's inside the belly of a whale. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. See, don't miss this. God listens to the desperate cry for help from desperate people who are in desperate circumstances, even circumstances that are of their own creation. Your heavenly Father, right? Remember, this is the Old Testament. Right? This is way before Jesus. This is 750 years before Jesus was even born. Your heavenly Father listens and he responds to the desperate cry from desperate people who are in desperate circumstances. Even circumstances that are of their own design. That's a lot of grace. That is a lot of grace. And yet for some of us, right, for some of us, the reason why we hesitate, the reason why we, we, we delay calling on the Lord is because we think to ourselves, we think, okay, you know, after everything that I've done, after the way I behaved, 
after all those things that I said, after the way that I've acted, right? I mean, the way that I have treated God, right? I can't, I mean, the way I ignored God, I mean, after all of that, I can't, it's just too embarrassing, right? It's just too humiliating. The reason why some of us delay in calling on the Lord, even in the midst of our distress, as we think to ourselves, it's just too hypocritical after everything that I have done. I mean, I basically said to God, get out and stay out of my life. God, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Just get away from me. And Jonah looks at us in our distress, and he says, let me tell you about your heavenly Father, because you've forgotten You don't remember something about your Heavenly Father that you need to know. He is generous with His grace. And so in my distress, Jonah says, I called. And in my despair, I called. In my distress, I turned to the Lord. And He answered me. Because see, your Heavenly Father, He responds to the desperate prayers of desperate people who are in desperate circumstances, even circumstances that are of their own creation. That is an amazing amount of grace, isn't it? See, you know what that is? That is a constant, that is an everyday invitation. That is a moment-by-moment invitation that regardless of what you've done, regardless of how far you have run, regardless of the, the depth of your resistance, regardless of how long you've been running, that is an invitation from your Heavenly Father to you to just come back. Just come back. Just please come back. Jonah picks up in verse 3. This is interesting. Don't miss this. You, he says. Right? So Jonah now has clarity. I mean, listen to what he's saying. He's saying, I understand now, this isn't about the sailors. I get it. This is not about the boat. It wasn't about the storm. It wasn't even about the fish. He says, you, you, God, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents, they swirled about me. All your waves and breakers, they swept over me. I said, I have been banished. From your sight, and yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Right? And then we get to this very, very amazing part of Jonah's prayer. And so before we read this part, just everybody kind of eyes up here for a second. You need to picture this part in your mind, right? Remember where we're at. Jonah is down below deck in the ship. And this huge storm, it just comes out of nowhere. It takes everybody by surprise. All the sailors, the captain, Jonah, they're all convinced that they're all going to die. The ship's going to be broken. It's going to sink. And they're all trying to figure out what to do. And and Jonah says to the sailors, listen, the only thing you can do is throw me overboard because God is coming after me. God is behind this storm. And I think God is so angry at at me, he might just kill all of us and destroy this whole ship. And so you got to throw me overboard. And so these sailors, they give Jonah the heave-ho over the side of the boat. And so here's the question. At what point in this story do you think that Jonah actually repented? Right? At what point in the story do you think Jonah finally broke? Was it on the night of day two that he was inside the whale? Maybe it wasn't until the afternoon of day three. Maybe it was that first night when he was alone in the dark and the deep thinking about what he had done. 
See, I think Jonah actually repented the moment those sailors grabbed him by the arms and the legs and threw him over the side. I think Jonah was asking God to, to, for forgiveness before he even hit the water. Right Before Jonah ever even hit the water, I think it was like, God, I, I repent. God, forgive me. God, I'll go to Nineveh. God, I'll go to Narnia. God, I'll go wherever it is that you want me to go. I'll stay as long as you want me to stay. God, I will do whatever you want me to do. I think Jonah was a brand new man before he ever even hit the surface of the water. And the reason why I think that is because, and I've told some of you this, this story before, because when I was a kid, my mom washed my mouth out with a big old nasty yellow bar of dial soap. And do you know how many times my mom had to do that to me before I learned to not say certain things to her? One time. One time. Right? Because my mom believed, and and I believe as a parent, and hopefully all of us as parents, we, we believe, that one of the best things that we can actually do for our kids is to associate rebellion and discomfort Right? Because rebellion always leads to hurt. And so when I was a kid and I began to get mouthy with my mom, all she really needed to do was just start walking towards that downstairs bathroom. And all of a sudden I was a new man, right? All of a sudden my mouth was nothing but rainbows and unicorns, right? That, that was it. Because, because I, knew what my, what my, I knew what my mom knew, what I have figured out as a parent, hopefully what you know as a parent, Um, is that sometimes the very best thing that we can do for our kids is to follow through. It's to follow through. It's to make sure and associate rebellion and discomfort. Because, yes, God is, in fact, generous with his grace. But is he all grace? No. No, he is not. Why? Why? Because he actually loves you. Because he actually loves you. And so when he comes after you, he is not coming after you to pay you back. He's coming after you to bring you back. To bring you back. And so God actually allowed Jonah to rattle around inside the belly of that fish for three very long days And three very, very long nights. And so Jonah tells us what that was like. He gives us a little picture of this in verse 5. He says, The engulfing waters, they threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head, right? Everything in the belly of that whale. To the roots of the mountains I sank down when when the whale would go below the surface. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you, Lord, you, Lord, you brought my life up from the pit. O oh, Lord, my, my God, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. And then Jonah writes these amazing words in verse 8. Do not miss these words. He says this. He says, those who cling to worthless idols, right? They forfeit. In other words, they lose. They give up on. They abandon. They don't experience. They forfeit the grace that could be. It could be. It could be theirs. 
Right? This is huge. Right? When, when you run from God, you are always running to something. When you run from God, you are always running to someone. You're running to a lifestyle. You, you are running to a pleasure of some kind. You're running to maybe some kind of entertainment. Whenever you run from God, you are always running to something. And what Jonah tells us is that everyone who runs from God, eventually they get to the point where they actually get Whatever it is that they are running towards, they get to that place that they have been running to. They finally embrace what it is that they have wanted. And they get to that place in life, that season in life. They get to that status in life, that thing that they are running towards. And when they get there, they realize the thing that they have devoted their lives to, given their time to, dedicated their youth to, all of a sudden they realize it is not. It is not what I thought it would be. And all of a sudden, they actually begin to miss what they used to have. Because, see, what they used to have is something that everybody values. What they used to have is a relationship that every single person values, a relationship with their Heavenly Father. See, runners, do not miss this. If you are a runner today, runners, they do not experience the love of God. Right, Because runners have distanced themselves from the love of God. Not God's love for them. Hear me. Not God's love for you. The experience. The experience of God's love. And so Jonah tells us that eventually, right, eventually runners, they actually get to the point where they realize that what I have given my life to, what I have pursued, what it is that I thought would actually bring me something, it is nothing more than a worthless idol. I have traded a worthless idol for the experience of the love of my heavenly Father. And see, listen, the reason why Jonah can actually say this to us, the reason why we know this is true, the reason why you know it's true is because when you are in your despair, in your moment of despair, you do not cry out for the thing that you pursued, right, when you ran from your heavenly Father. When you're in despair, you don't cry out for the person that you pursued. You don't cry out for the status you pursued. You don't cry out for the lifestyle that you pursued. You don't cry out for any of those things. In your despair... In my despair, right, we cry out to the Lord. Because in our hearts we know, right, we know, we know the most valuable thing about life, the most valuable thing that comes from living, is to know that my Heavenly Father actually cares about me. That my Heavenly Father loves me. That He is looking out for me. That I can actually look to Him and there's nothing Right? There's nothing in between us. That every human being knows in their soul that is actually what is most valuable. And that is why in our despair and in our distress, we never cry out for the thing that we pursued when we ran away from our Heavenly Father. And so Jonah says to all of us, listen, from personal experience, eventually... Eventually, every single person who runs, they actually get to the point of that brokenness in life and they realize that what I have given up in order to have this worthless idol, this was a terrible, terrible decision on my part. And what many of us have had to learn the hard way, right, is that it's not until we're broken, 
It's not until we're busted. It's not until we're found out. Right? It's not until we're discovered that somehow, suddenly, in that moment, all of this actually becomes clear to us. And so as Jonah is in the middle of this prayer, as he's rehearsing and remembering his experience inside the belly of the whale, he just gives us this most incredible, this most profound statement in verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols, they forfeit the grace that could be. It could be theirs. But I, Jonah says in verse 9, I, With a song of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed to you, I will make good. Because salvation, it comes from the Lord. And so verse 10, and the Lord, he commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So what do you think Jonah does this time? Do you know why the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time? Because your heavenly Father, he is generous in his grace. And when he comes after you, he is not coming after you to pay you back. It is to bring, it is to win you back. Go, the Lord said to Jonah, verse 2, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give to you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Here's what I want us to do this morning as we um, wrap up our time together today and this week. We'll pick up at this point next week. What I want to do this morning is just create for the next couple of moments. I just want to create a little bit of space. I want to give you the opportunity, those of you who maybe have been running, maybe who are running right now, either overtly or covertly, I simply want to give you some space for you to declare to your Heavenly Father, listen, I'm not running anymore. I want to give you the opportunity to actually say to your Heavenly Father, listen, I have been running, and because of my running, I have distanced myself from the experience of the love of my Heavenly Father. I have clung to a worthless idol at the expense of the experience of a loving relationship with my Heavenly Father. I have run from God, and today I recognize how foolish that was. And so I'm not going to waste another season of my life. I'm not going to let another season of my life go by pursuing something that's just going to end up creating more chaos and more havoc and more regret in my life. I don't want to wait until I'm in that pit of despair and abandon. I have to abandon everything that I've given my life to and hope that somehow God's just going to hear my prayer. Or maybe you're here today, right? Maybe you came here today and the truth is you're sitting in your seat and you're like I can't believe that this is the message I walked into because in your despair right you came you did the only thing you knew to do you came to church because you didn't know what to do 
And you came here wondering and thinking, I don't know if there's anything for me. I don't know if the message is going to apply to me. But something has to change between me and God. And I don't know what else to do. And so you actually showed up here today, and you're kind of at the end of your rope. And all of a sudden, this guy stands up here, and he's telling you about your story. And it's like, how in the world did he know? It's because it's not your story. It's not just your story. It's not just Jonah's story. It's my story. It's our story. It's so many of our stories. Right? And in our despair, right, in our despair, we stop running. In our despair, we drop our defenses. And in our despair, we're actually humbled. And we call, we cry out to the Lord. And here's the best news that you may ever hear in your entire life. In your despair, when you cry out to your heavenly Father, He hears you. He hears you. And He responds. He responds. Because the point of all this chaos that you're experiencing in your life or you're beginning to experience in in, in your life is your heavenly Father, He wants to bring you back. He's telling you to come back. And and so in a moment, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to listen to a song. And I want you to listen to the words of this song. And as you're listening to the words of this song, I just simply want you to use whatever words God places on your heart, whatever he says to you, I just want you to use that time to say in your own words to your Heavenly Father, listen, I am not running anymore. And you can do that sitting in your seat. You can stand up. You can come down front here and kneel, right? How you express what God is doing in your heart right now, that is not what matters. What matters is that your Heavenly Father is actually telling you, He is inviting you, He is asking you to come back. Just come back. Just come back. And men, I know how this feels for so many of us, right? I get it, I get it. But I'm telling you, as a man... As a husband, as a father, one of the best gifts that you could give to your wife or to your kids or to your family, it is just simply the humility to publicly declare, listen, I have been running from God and that part of my life is over. It ends today. I may not have it all figured out. I don't have all the questions figured out, but I am not running anymore. Today, it all changes. Because here's the promise. When you cry out to your heavenly father, he listens and he responds and his answer is yes. Yes, you're forgiven. Yes, you're welcome back home. Yes, I love you. Because he's not trying to pay you back. He's trying to bring. He he wants to bring you back. Heavenly father, Father, thank you that you have actually preserved in this amazing book words written almost 4,000 years ago that could have been written today because, Father, they speak to every single one of our hearts and our lives. And, Father, for some of us, the tension and the anxiety that we feel in our hearts and our lives right now, Father, the truth is you've kind of orchestrated some of this because of our current circumstances. And so, Father, I simply ask that you would do what only you could do. 
that you give to every single one of us here in this place today, and especially those of us who are running or beginning to run or have been running for such a long time, that you'd actually give to us the faith that we need, the courage that we need to respond to you. Father, I pray that for somebody here today, right now in this service, that today would be the day the running stops, that today would be the day the resistance, it comes to an end, that today would be the day that they would surrender to you and just come back. Come back. That today would be the day that they give up that worthless idol of independence that worthless idol of autonomy. Father, maybe even that worthless idol of acceptance by a person or a group of people that a couple of years from now, they're not even going to remember. Father, that today would be the day that they come back to a heavenly Father who loves them and forgives them unconditionally because of our Savior, Jesus. It's in his name we pray.